0: that was great i was i was was laughing to myself a little bit when i saw the uh picture of the of the coffee beans you know because i am not a coffee connoisseur at all chip is a coffee connoisseur he loves coffee Uh, i don't i love the smell of coffee but that's about it but honestly when i saw that spoon of beans i thought wow look pinto beans and uh, <laughs> all that came to my mind was like, man, I need a big old slab of cornbread to go with that. I'd be a happy boy. So uh, I missed it totally, Fred. <laughs> all right. If you got your Bibles this morning, for the next three hours we will be... Uh, uh, got a little bit of time here this morning, but it's been great having Eddie with us. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Verse 40, we started here last week. Uh, Hopefully that uh, you you took advantage of my encouragement last week to take this passage, study it, look at it. Last week we talked about seasons and how we constantly seem to be transitioning from one season to another. It's just a part of life. It's a part of our walk with the Lord. And we need to understand that we took that main passage that you find out that you in your bulletin that says uh, out of Ecclesiastes three one to everything there is a season a time for every purpose under heaven. So there's two things you look one life is full of seasons that as you continue on in your walk with the Lord you will find yourself going from the familiar to the unfamiliar over and over and over again. And it's the pattern of God. It's the wisdom of God. It's the purpose of God. And God says here that in every season, there is a divine purpose, and we need to understand that. One of the things that as I've been contemplating this because of going into the new year, I know for myself, I always look at that as a new season. For me, it's a time to, to focus time to refocus, time to pull into the Lord to hear His voice, what He's wanting for us to do as a church for 2016. It's a time of just intimacy with God and with others also. But it's also a a great time of change, a time of repentance, a time of change, a time of hearing God's voice, and a time of knowing God's purpose. If you think about it, there are, there are, examples of men and women of God in the Bible that that are navigating from one place to the other. If you think about it, you think about the life of Abram as he navigates from a place that of who he was, and, and, and even as God named him Abram, to a place of becoming Abraham. And if you go back and you read that account and you read what's going on in Abram's life, you begin to realize there were some in, amazing important things that God was doing during that time. It seems like sometimes when we make we are making a transition in our life, we can't get a handle on anything. And it's very difficult sometimes to feel like God is doing anything. But it's during that time if we are able to begin to recognize where we're at and what God is doing and that what we need to be doing. And I I take that these times go from Abram to Abraham, a time of uh, when, when Moses has died and Joshua steps in to a new place of leadership and doing things that he's never done before, you know, and probably quite overwhelmed, more than likely. But it was during that place that God showed him exactly some of the things that he needed to do that, that equipped him that the next season that he walked into was a success. You know, God wants for every season that you walk into to be a success. Amen? Do you believe that? Many of you, it's amazing since I, I spoke last Sunday on this a little bit, how many people have come up to me, and as we begin to talk, we begin to talk about the changes that are happening in their life as they are, tra- as they are traveling from one place, going into a, a brand new place. And it's just amazing that, that uh, as we begin to talk about these things, we realize, you know, I really am. That's, that's marking my life right now. That journey is marking my life. So Joshua had to go from that place. And here... In the second chapter of Acts, we see a new season. And we see, as, we, as you read on in the, the book of Acts, you see great success. You see the establishment of the early church. You see the establishment, really, of a new covenant that's being walked out and lived out by the people of God. And you see amazing things begin to happen, such that in Acts chapter 17 the people begin to proclaim as, as, as these men and women of God would begin to become missionaries and to begin to travel in to new places, Thessalonica and Ephesus and Philippi and places like that. They begin to proclaim, these are those that have turned the world upside down. And what a, what a, what a testimony, what a testimony that of something that, uh, because how they entered in, how they walked this out, how they sought God during this unfamiliar time, this new season. And so, it's so imperative for us to learn from the patterns of old. That's written there. The Bible talks about how God has placed down here patterns, certain patterns that for us to learn and to to grow by. And so, it's very important. So, what I want to do is, once again, I want us to read together uh, if you've got your Bible or, or your handheld device, <laughs> whatever you may have, and, but we also will show it on the screen here. I have to they have a question. Do you love this, this Bible app? Uh, of course I do. Not as I rate the Bible app. I don't want to rate the Bible app right now. Okay. All right. Let's read together here. With many other words, talking about Peter, he testified and exhorted them, saying, this is out of the New King James Version, be safe from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his words were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So you see an immediate transformation in the lives of people because of what they did. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them, them all so that if anyone had need, they divided those goods to them. So, continuing daily with one, in, with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having, fa- having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. What I want to do is that, you know, we're entering into a, a season of consecration, a season of prayer and fasting beginning January the 10th through January the 23rd. We do this every year, and it's, 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 it's always been amazing thing. God has done amazing things through this time. And uh, like I said, I, I really believe for many of us that where we are walking and where we are journeying, it's a new place. It's an unfamiliar place. And I want us to, I want us to take a few minutes here. We've got about 15 more minutes I want to take a few minutes here and just pull the gold out of this passage. Okay, hopefully you've already pulled the gold out of this passage. Hopefully you have already read it and you've gone back and and uh, it's. But we want to take a moment. I want to change this. The the passage up here would still be the New King James, but I am going to read from the Amplified because I really feel like it. It really kind of unfolds. It reveals something a little bit better. It is for me. And I want to look at uh, verse 40 and 41. And what do we find in there that we could say we can really apply to our lives this morning? And Peter solemnly and earnestly witnessed, testified, admonished, exhorted with much more continuous speaking and warned. He reproved, he advised, he encouraged them saying, be safe from this crooked this perverse, wicked, unjust generation. Therefore, those who, were, who accepted and welcomed his message were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. One thing I want to look at is that when, when we enter into a new place, one of the most important things is that what, is that, what are things centered around on? One of the things that we realize when Peter, he gets up and begins to preach Christ. He begins to preach the good news, the gospel. He begins to preach the, probably, he doesn't have the entire preaching passage here, so we can only kind of think about it, speculate a little bit, but I would think that Peter would have shared a lot of the experiences that he had with Christ. And one of the things that's so important, As we, as we are traveling, we're journeying this life to make sure is, is, is my journey, is it Christ centered? You know, is that what I'm doing and what I'm thinking about and, 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 and how I'm, how I'm traversing this pathway right now, is it still centered upon Christ and my relationship with Him? It's the beautiful thing about the early church is that is that the apostles? They had spent three years with Jesus, walked with Jesus, spent time with him, and I'm sure that the stories were repeated over and over and over again. The stories how John and James wanted to call fire down from heaven, and now I'm sure they all laughed about it. You know, they oh, well we were so stupid or whatever. You know, but how 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 wonderful, merciful, and gracious Jesus was, whatever. But they just very simply, they, they shared their experiences with Christ. They testified of what they knew. You can only testify of what you knew and what you've experienced, right? But but one of the best things you could do when you're walking into unfamiliar places is to testify, remind yourself that which, what Christ has already done. It encourages us greatly when we go back and we can remember we think about how God met that need and how God came through here and how God broke through as we were singing this morning about breaking through the darkness, it's so important for us to go back and to remember and to testify once again what Jesus has done. Because what it is doing, it's setting a platform for you and I. It's setting the stage for you and I for God to do it again. Over and over, and over again. That's what a testimony we've talked about in the past, what a testimony is. It's just really stating what God has done, and God is able to do it again, and do it over again. When you begin to share, you begin to testify, you begin to lay out the account of your relationship with Christ, it touches hearts, it touches people. Because they realize that Maybe they are in the very same place that you once were, and there's an answer for them. One of the the most important things for us to do is to share the good news wherever we go. And this is what the early church did. They just very simply began to share the good news that they knew, and it turned the world upside down. That's how powerful your testimony is. It's how powerful... The words that are on the inside of you are. It's how powerful they are. It, they will literally change lives. And so, when you're coming into a new place of being in a place that I am going to remember, I am going to be conscious of sharing the good news, testifying, witnessing, that's what you've been created to do as believers. You know, it's easy to get involved in so many things that we we begin to forget the very thing that we are supposed to be doing, which is that we're sharing the good news. We're preaching the gospel. That very thing, whether it's through our words or it's through our life itself, the example of our life, whatever it is, people are going to catch it. People are going to catch it. I I, I heard, uh, I read something this past week of a, uh, something that, I um, um, can't remember the guy's name now, uh, Joseph huh? Joseph Prince said, exactly. He was saying how, um, he said that, that people catch who you are more than what you say. And he said, you could go to someone and say, listen, you know, I really got a bad case of the chicken pox. You don't want to be around me. Got a bad case of chicken pox. Chicken pox is really bad right now. I don't want you to catch it. But if you have measles, it doesn't matter how much you say they'll catch the chicken pox from me. But what, and what you really are, if you have the measles, that's exactly what they're going to catch. People will catch who you really are. And people caught over and over and over again the stories, the life of Peter, John. James, all the apostles, and they begin to testify of the greatness and goodness of God. And it made a huge difference, you know. And as that happened, people were added into the church. Let's go on here. Let's look at a couple of other things here. Verse 42, And they steadfastly persevered, devoting themselves constantly to the instruction and fellowship of the apostles through the breaking of bread, including Lord's Supper and prayer. And I love this, verse 43. In a sense of awe, reverential fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were performed through the apostles, the special messengers of God. A couple of things I want us to see in this passage here. One was their heart attitude. Their heart attitude was one of great devotion. When I want to ask you today, as you're coming into to this new season, this new year, what is your heart attitude? Is it just like, oh, man, I'm so glad I'm coming out of 2015 type thing? Is that your heart attitude? Or is it one really of, you know, that I'm going to devote myself in a new, new place, in a new way, and I'm going to devote myself in a way that is going to make a difference for this year. That's exactly what these people did. They devoted themselves in such an all-out way, such a 100% way, that as they did that, it made a difference in everything that they did. I love love this when it's talked about here, and they steadfastly persevered. How do you know that, (laughs) that no matter where you are in the Lord, you are going to have to persevere. You will have to persevere through, through um, it could be just trying to understand what God is doing, maybe persevering through the difficulties that you're facing, or persevering through the pain that you're going through. There's a perseverance that we all have to walk in, and every season has its own perseverance. You will never come to the place where all the battles are over with. They're all done. We, we kind of slip into that thinking sometimes. It's like, wow, okay, that's over with. Thank God. You know, no more battles, no more war, whatever. And it's never going to be that way until you stand face to face with the Lord that all the battles will be over with. There is a perseverance that has to happen. When I think about perseverance, I'm thinking about Pushing through difficulty, pushing through pain. I read something this week uh, from a blog from a good friend that I know. Both uh, myself, some of us know. I know Eddie knows uh, Pastor Jim Lafoon, and he wrote this down, and it so struck me I had to write it down. He says, "Be careful about despising the prior season's pain." Listen to this. This is so important. Be careful about despising the prior season's pain. We can allow the difficulties that we go through to transform us, or we can allow the difficulties that we go through to ruin us. And sometimes I know that when we have come through a difficult season or time, it's easy to look back and we almost despise the very thing that we have walked through. We despise the pain. This is what Jim said. Be careful about despising the prior season's pain. Many times, it is both the indicator and the preparation of the next season's promise. How many of you know that God says, is, "He says, every in, 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 under heaven, there is a season for everything, and in a season is the purpose of God." even through difficult times, even through pain, God is fashioning his purpose in that. And it's the very thing that many times that we walk through, and it, and it does something within us, it transforms our life. It causes us to, to step deeper into God than we have ever stepped before. It, it causes us to search out his wisdom and his truth, and his promises more than we have ever done that before. And it's very easy to just focus on despising the very thing that we're walking through instead of embracing the purpose of God and what he's doing and seeing how it's transforming our life. He said that, he went on and said that that pain becomes like a frame of our life in which. God is still working on the masterpiece within. I want to tell you, you are a masterpiece of God. And God's still painting. And God's still working and He's still moving on that masterpiece, which is you. And many times He has the very thing that you've walked through, you've trudged through, you felt like I finally escaped it, but it becomes really the frame of that picture, the frame of who you are. It becomes that. So, that's why I believe it says that in all things, we are to give thanks. In all things, that we are to praise God and give thanks in those things. As we continue to look into verse 42 and 43 here, we gather and we see that they are, they are given to the Word of God. They are given to worship. They are given to fellowship, prayers, fastings. All of these things are given to They they begin to understand the importance of intimacy with God as they gather together under the teaching of the apostles. As they gather together with one another, they begin to understand the importance of each other, of having other people involved in your life. One of the things that I really want to encourage us to come into the season of prayer and fasting, it is the time that I want to encourage you in your, your intimacy with the Lord. But I don't want you to forget about one another. And I want you to, I want to encourage you during the time between January 10th and 23rd, let's, let's set something into, the, into, in, into the, to, the, the practice of our church of gathering together. I want to encourage you to invite people into your home. One of the things that you see in the early church they did was that. The life they had in God was with one another, one of the most important things. It, it is so easy for us to get so busy with life, and we isolate ourselves, just trying our best to make it through life. I want to encourage you. There are people that are sitting in this church today that are valuable to you, and you need to get to know them, and you need to have them in your home, And we need to to be able to go into this season of prayer, fasting, however God shows you to fast. Uh, Sometimes it may be some feasting in there too, and that's okay. All right? But I want to encourage you to look at it and say, who do we want to invite into our home just to fellowship, be together, share the goodness of God together, talk about what God has been doing in our life, honoring one another, valuing one another. So very, very important. There's a part of this passage that says, in a sense of awe of, or reverential fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were performed through the apostles. I don't want us to miss this because uh, I think this is a really important principle right here. That signs and wonders are not just dependent on Upon if you have power in your life. Yes, you need power in your life. But what I gathered here that because of how people treated one another, how people honored God, and how people honored one another, it set something so very important that ushered in something of heaven into their into their place, into their place on this earth. And I believe sometimes while we see no signs and wonders, while we see no miracles, is because of the condition of the body. And if there is contention and strife and dishonor that is happening in the body, I believe it will shut the gates of heaven from, from us seeing what needs to be poured out in the miraculous and signs and wonders now, I think you see something in the early church of how they treated each other. They made sure that everybody, if they had a need, it was met. You know, if something was going on in their life, they made sure, listen, we're going to gather our goods together, and we're going to provide for those they don't have, so they make sure that they have what they need. And there was a, such a sense of value and honor for one another and for the Lord that it set... It set set a place for the miraculous, I believe. And I believe that's so important for us because I know this house, we want to be a place of the miraculous. We've seen in the past so many miracles, so many things, so many healings take place, so many wonderful things take place. And it's not just about crying out for more power. I think sometimes in the, the, the... charismatic age of the church, it's real easy to say, well, it's just more power. We need to get more power, more power, whatever. But it's more than that. But it's also creating a community of honor with one another, a culture of honor that we're trying to do here, that we make room for each other. You know, when you add 3,000 people to a group of people, that can be a messy thing. And maybe, how many of you wonder if maybe some of those 3,000 did not get along with those that were already there? Could that be a possibility? It was not all just kumbaya, I don't think, okay? But I believe that honor makes room for others. I believe that honor, as you sow honor into the house, as you honor God and you honor others, as you find value in them, that you make room for them, and that God does amazing things as God did here in this early church. He did amazing, amazing things. Guys, we've got to bring this to a close here right now. One thing that I want us to to see, it talks about at the very end of this passage that there, all that was done resulted in being together from day to day, living life together. They did it with gladness and simplicity of heart. They praised God. And it says that they f- had favor with all the people. And as- because they had favor with all the people, more people were added to the church. That got me to thinking a little bit of what is the purpose of God's favor? What is the purpose of God's favor when he displays it upon you? Is it just to reward you? Is it just so that God, gosh, you know, I have favor. I don't believe that that's, that's all of it. Do you? I believe that when we have favor with people, God has opened a doorway into the heart of that person. And I believe that what happened here is that God, as God allowed favor to come upon the early church, it opened a doorway into the lives of those that they were in relationship with. And they were able to walk right into their lives. And as they walked into their lives, they were continually added to the church. If you find yourself in a season where there seems to just to be favor on your life, you need to look a little bit further than just what you were experiencing and what you were receiving. You need to see where are the divine connections that God is setting up between you and others for their favor. Because it is for you to bring the good news, the gospel, the testimonies of Christ into their lives. He has opened a doorway, he has opened a pathway for you to walk into another life and for God to impact their lives. Amen. So I'm believing this year. I'm believing for great favor upon your life. It's one of the things I'm praying. For great favor upon your life. Don't miss it. Don't miss that moment where it's just like, well, I feel so rewarded now. Don't miss that moment that there is, if you look a little bit further, a little bit deeper, there is a divine connection with you and someone else that needs to experience all of God. They need to experience that. Amen? All right. That's all I have today.